Welcome to another episode of In My Own Words. I'm your host, Corey Timms, and with me in the studio today is my friend, uh, fresh off of being recognized by the Chicago Defender as a woman of excellence, uh, president and CEO of APS and associate, Alex Sims Jones. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Corey. Alex, thanks for joining today. It's awesome to be here. I'm really proud of you. It's just cool to be here. <laughs> Well, before we get into the questioning, mm -hmm. since I have you, I have to ask. You are regarded as the Olivia Pope of Chicago. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, a moniker that I know you've heard many times. How does it feel um, to be seen as the political fixer uh, in Chicago? Um, okay. Um, well, I've had the honor, I'll say, of meeting Judy Smith, who is the real Olivia Pope. It's who the whole story is kind of um, made after her life story. And we've had the honor of working with her. And she does a lot of crisis management. And that's what our firm does. And I think that um, I'm honored that people think of us as, as that because it is something <laughs> we're proud of doing from crisis management to communications to grassroots organizing. It's something that we do and we love to do. And I do think <laughs> it's something we do pretty well so I, I'll take it sometimes okay. <laughs> even if it is kind of funny <laughs> well uh, before we get into the meat of the interview I like to do a lightning round of questions folks typically enjoy the lightning round um, so you tell me the first answer that comes to your mind okay SWV or escape escape okay okay <laughs> Chris Brown or Usher Usher <laughs> that one's kind of <laughs> easier <laughs> Um, your favorite neighborhood in Chicago? That one's easy. South Shore. Okay, come on. You, you know you got to rep the South Shore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. And what's a mantra that you live by? Ooh. Um, I think I'll have to give you two. Okay. Um, so one is I used to wear this bracelet all the time that just said kind of do you. <laughs> and it was one of those things that sort of a reminder to kind of cut trust my gut instincts. Mm -hmm. Um. And then the mission of our company is a bridge that connects places that are unfamiliar with one another. Um, and I think that that's something I live by. I love to be able to bring people together. So that's another mantra. Okay. Okay. Well, you, you flew right through my lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lightning round, Corey. I, I see. <laughs> So some of my former guests, I won't call them out. Okay. Uh, the lightning it I, turned into thunder. I know them <laughs> and work with them. <laughs> so getting into the interview, um, I always like to start the interviews talking about upbringing. Okay. I think it's so critical in shaping who we become uh, and ultimately what we do. Mm -hmm. Now, you grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, how did Detroit shape you into who you are? and then ultimately uh, the career path that you decided to take. Yeah, um, I love that you start there. That's where I like to start everything. Um, you know, my family is incredibly important to me. I um, was really blessed to have two parents that really, you know, made sure my brother and I believed in always remembering where you come from. And uh, my father was an automobile executive and a business owner, so he continues to instill that in me, even mm -hmm. today, asking me so, questions so about entrepreneurship is already in you. <laughs> he, he does that and <laughs> makes sure that I am always thinking about that and all I do. And uh, my mom is a development director um, for the school that I attended, so she is a fundraiser and has always done that. Wow. Um, and then, you know, going back to my grandparents, we um, we purchased back the plantation we were on as slaves. So every year we go back to that plantation as a family. 
And it's kind of one of those things that always reminds you where you come from. Um, Detroit, I grew up in Metro Detroit, so right outside the city, and it's an area that I love and sometimes miss. I kind of become a Chicago person a little bit, but Detroit <laughs> um, is an area that I truly love, and I think that the surrounding areas have really shaped kind of what I believe in and coming to, and taking you know, what my parents instilled in me, what my grandparents instilled in me, and always to remember where you come from and to take the blessings they give you mm -hmm. to give back is why I do what I do now. So APS is a true social impact business. Um, so we take things like like the clients we pick are the clients that are truly want to make a difference. I love that. I love how the story has weaved throughout um, your life and career and ultimately has really impacted what you're doing right now. Thanks. It's something that um, I know... Our, our ancestors would be really proud of. And it's, um, you know, even with some of the things that we've created aside from APS, it drives what we do. Okay. So so let's fast forward a little bit. Okay. So you, um, you attended Northwestern University where you got your bachelor's in education and social policy. And afterwards, you were awarded the prestigious Coral Fellowship <laughs> and placed in St. Louis. Okay, Corey, and, doing you know. some homework, y'all. Okay. <laughs> but what, what a lot of people don't know is after you finished the fellowship, you were actually a vice principal yeah. at a St. Louis school, which I personally was surprised by as well. Yeah. So talk to me mm -hmm. about one year experience in the fellowship, but then also what was it like transitioning into school leadership, especially being so fresh out of school? Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed my time in St. Louis. Um, and I think what's different about St. Louis and kind of similar to Chicago. So, you know, Chicago gets the reputation as kind of a tale of two cities at times. And um, they talk a little bit about the segregation. St. Louis has those same disparities, but they have this thing that they call the Del Mar divide, which is, you know, you can be on one side of the street of Del Mar and you are the population is you know 90 percent are not college educated only five of them and the other side of del mar 70 percent is college educated and that's divided by just one street so it just shows you the redlining in that one neighborhood um i was working at a school on the side that wasn't college educated the north side of st louis um and i was a vice principal that um for that time um, I was doing that after I participated in the Coro Fellowship Program. So Coro was really life-changing for me. It was a fellowship where you work nine different jobs in one year. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure out where I could have impact in the public affairs space. I knew um, I wanted to be in this space, but I didn't know where. So they put you at a union for a while. So I was working at SCIU. They put you with the business. I was working with waste management systems. They put you in government. I was working for the TIFFs department of the city of St. Louis. And they put you everywhere. And then you're taking leadership classes at night and brainstorming with your cohort about what it's like in all these different sectors. So I finished cohort my cohort and I learned I really need to learn more about education because that's what I'm passionate about mm -hmm. so I signed up to do this and was a vice principal and all I learned in that was I really don't know anything <laughs> <laughs> and um in that this school where I was working the disparities were so stark and quite frankly very different from the way I grew up and was really hard to watch mm -hmm. um and these kids needed so much more than what the school could provide um, and that's what actually made me want to get involved in politics because I could see there 
that whatever I could do on a day to day for these children um, would help, but it wouldn't help like an overarching policy would help. And it was um, 2012 was around the time. So I was getting calls from some of my friends at Northwestern and they were saying, you know, we need someone to help us in St. Louis for Barack Obama because Mitt Romney wants to run. Well, that actually is the perfect segue into my <laughs> next question. <laughs> okay. So, so in 2012, you got you really got the political bug, and you were tapped to be the state coordinator for President Obama's uh, reelection campaign. And yeah. then you went on to um, work for Organizing for Action before founding your own voter advocacy organization. So, I got a couple of questions. Yeah. One <laughs> is, have you always been interested in politics? And Walk us through a little bit of like that career trek because that was um, a, a, an interesting time in election history, and those are some some pretty big roles and some pretty big uh, shoes to fill. And so you to do that and transition from St. Louis to Chicago, which is an even more uh, political city as we both know. Yeah, Ooh, <laughs> a little different. Talk um, a little bit about that transition. A little different. Um, yeah, I think that. Um, it, it was interesting. Like, I remember um, working at some of the building and construction trade unions in St. Louis and being, like, the only black woman in a room full of a thousand men. Um, <laughs> I remember there being maybe five other black men, but then just a lot of Irish <laughs> and um, Italian white business or building and construction trade workers. And at that moment, it was about right to work. And that was mm -hmm. during the Coral Fellowship Program. And that was, I think, one of the first moments I really was like, I like politics, and I was organizing. Yeah. Um, and then um, when I was working in the school, I knew I needed to learn more about organizing because I knew that that was going to make a change. Um, working in St. Louis, I also was working with SEIU. With, um, the head of the SEIU at that time was Nancy Cross, and she taught me how to organize. But it wasn't until the Obama campaign, when you're a field organizer on the ground, forced to get a number of signatures yeah. that day or your field director will chop your head off. <laughs> you might not get a paycheck. You might not be able to keep the job. Um, to, do you really know what politics is about? Yeah. And um, we had a small team and our objective that election, we kind of knew President Obama couldn't win Missouri. Um, he lost Missouri in 2008 by something like 800 votes. So our objective actually was to get Claire McCaskill elected. Mm -hmm. um, we needed to get enough black people excited to turn out in St. Louis to turn out for Barack. Right. And really, we needed them to just vote down the ticket. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting is Missouri is so racist that they voted for a, a Republican president, but then they still voted for a Democratic senator and a Democratic governor, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> they, um, they just you, proved you to gotta, be... Gotta love Missouri. Yeah, they just, <laughs> they just proved to do it. So we did our job. We got, a, we got her, him McCaskill that he needed at that time to get the votes he needed in. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, um, I enjoyed it. And then I remember moving, you know, OFA, which was Organizing for Action at the time, needed someone to come to Chicago to help organize all the Obama alumni. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the role at the time. Maybe, I think I had a two-part role. So I remember moving from Missouri back to Chicago, and I was all excited to come back to Chicago and work on Obama World, is what I thought. <laughs> um, and then, you'll appreciate this, I, was, I remember being at Ceres 
of Friday at Series with some of my girls. Shout out to Series on a Friday. <laughs> with some of my girls. And I ran into, I won't say their names, I ran into some folks in the political circle who you would know. And they were like, Alex, black folks aren't messing with Obama or this mayor. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let me learn more about Chicago um, and where we really are, mm-hmm. right? So um, that's when I met back up with some of my relationships at SEIU. Um, and they were funding a, a nonprofit called Every Vote Counts. So they needed somebody to kind of step in. Um, and it was... Um, both Jessica Angus and Kristen Crowell, who needed somebody to step in and run um, Every Vote Counts and uh, basically register voters. So we had the biggest voter registration campaign that year in the country. We registered 400,000 voters in uh, four months, I think it was, um, which was pretty outrageous. That's impressive. And and that taught me Chicago's organizing community real quick Mm -hmm. because it wasn't us. It was... Action Now, it was Soul, it was Coco, it was One North Side, it was um, Enlace, it was BPNC, all of these community organizations that it's in action coming together and, and registering folks and us doing the data analyst, analysis at the time um, to make sure that these folks are ready to vote. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a prep. 400,000 in four months. It was crazy. (laughs) If they turned out in the next election (laughs) for governor, was another question. Um, Because that was the goal. And Mm -hmm. that transition for the data probably could have been better. Gotcha. So you moved throughout the uh, political realm into government, and you ended up being senior advisor to former city treasurer Kurt Summers. Yeah. And then in. 2017, I believe, at 27? I think so. You went out and launched your own firm. (laughs) Corey, I don't even know. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Oh, you know, I I do my research. Okay, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) So so in 27, you you stepped out and launched your own firm, which is daunting in itself. But to do so that young, um, Mm -hmm. what, what made you decide to step out on your own and launch your own firm? And how did you know it was the right time? Yeah. Um, first, thanks. I don't remember. And I think that since now, it's probably the first time I've thought about how old I was when I did it. Because <laughs> you're just moving so fast, you don't think about that stuff. Um, and, you know, you're doing something similar, so you know what it's like. <laughs> um, I think um, that, you know, I had always, you know, Treasure Summers working for him and run, helping him on his first campaign helped me get to know Chicago. So, you know, we did a campaign where we did 77 neighborhoods in 77 days, which was so cool, getting to know all of Chicago's neighborhoods and then building true kind of coalitions and teams in all those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And then turning around and bringing him in the office was fun and then getting to do some of that work. But at some point, government was just kind of moving too slow for me. And also realizing I couldn't get as much work done within the office as I wanted to. Um, and Treasure Summers was really supportive of my venturing off and starting something for whoever's up next. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember having the support of him, um, State's Attorney Fox. And what was really important to me was like before officially launching, securing some clients. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so- trust me, I know now. <laughs> so feeling um just feeling like that just being extra conservative and feeling that comfort so um 
you know, I was working in City Hall, so um, I reached out to Alderman Sawyer, um, Rod Sawyer, and asked him if I could work with the Black Caucus, mm -hmm. which um, was challenging, but also <laughs> fun. You know, we had their first ever fundraiser and passed a couple ordinances, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, we also um, brought on Governor Pritzker as our second client. So our first client was the Black Caucus. Our second was JB. And knowing that those two were secure allowed yeah. me to feel like, oh, I can actually do this. And I knew that Kim's election was next and a couple others would, would fall into place. So it was a little scary, but I just thought of it as it's if you have a client and that's a contract for a certain amount of time, that's just like having a job, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but when you come out the gate and you have the Black Caucus and then the governor as a client, that's also a really good, that's a good launch pad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It's kind of surprising, but it's working out so far. So one of the premises of the show is I wanted to have a vehicle to be able to talk about not only the successes and triumphs of, you know, leaders that I look up to and, mm -hmm. and consider friends, um, but also some of the struggles and You've selected a career industry, politics, that <laughs> you win some, you lose some, right? Yeah. So how have you dealt with some of the losses and um, especially having your own firm, like uh, being able to bounce back from some of those losses? Because for some, it can be a tough bounce back process. Yeah. I think, well, you're right. There are definitely losses and there's some of the losses that you're talking about, the obvious ones when, you know, you lose a campaign mm -hmm. or you lose a client, um, which are not fun. Yeah. Um, but um, for me, what um, what gets me most, I think, is mo some of my clients, I most of my clients I get very invested in. You know, I care. Mm -hmm. And... Um, when there's things out there within our society, right, as I shared, you know, we are a social impact business. We take on clients that we think are going to bring impact to our community. You know, we care about, you know, impacting black people. We care about impacting people of color. We mm -hmm. care about liberal ideals. So when um, there are things in our society that are structurally unfair and, um, when we're witnessing or up against systemic racism and you can't do anything for the client about it. So thinking about the Chicago media market sometimes yeah. um, and the way they approach black women, um, I'm thinking about um, unfair, you know, reporters. I'm thinking about just some of the systems and the people in charge sometimes within our bureaucracy. Um, that's, sometimes almost a bigger loss for me than a campaign or a loss of a client yeah. when you are unable to change some things that are a global or even a national problem, you know? So then you kind of want to do something bigger. That's almost why I started the black bench because I think about, okay, I can't do something immediate. What can I do over time that might change this issue? Yeah. What, what advice would you give to, you know, somebody, because you know, a lot of folks look up to you, you know, yeah. they look at, they look at the fact that you've launched a successful business, that you've had a successful career in politics. Um, but like I said, for some that when you take that L, especially depending on how public the L is, yeah. um, it can be hard to bounce back from. So what advice would you give to younger folks that are, you know, kind of struggling with? 
yeah. dealing with it. I mean, I think that everyone takes the L. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the best takes the L. I, I've taken my fair share. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, J.D. Prixka took an L. Mm-hmm. Barack Obama took an L. You know? Um, so I think that it's just really important um, to know you're not alone yeah. and to talk to your peers. Um, I found that for me, um, you know, leaning on mentors um, in those moments and um, talking to close friends and doing, you know, what kind of brings you a moment of meditation and mm-hmm. solace. Like that, those are what matters most. We're going to keep, we're going to keep going. <laughs> okay, cool. We'll give it a second. You good? You good? Not yet. <laughs> okay, we'll count. We'll count to five, and then I'll start up. Okay. So, speaking about Black Bench, um, <laughs> in 2020, you started a nonpartisan organization that was focused on uh, building out the Black Political Bench, and so we're talking about folks that are interested in potentially running for office, running campaigns being fundraisers. Um, why did you decide to, to start Black Bench and what do you ultimately hope to accomplish with it? Yeah, um, I um, was talking with um, Ronnie Mosley and Jonathan Swain and Kurt Summers all at different times about, um, and Candace Castillo, Erica Bland, all these different folks within our system about how it seems like there's knowledge from the generation before us, um, just about <laughs> our political hoops we have to jump through, mm-hmm. um, just about um, Chicago politics that's not necessarily being passed down. And I remember having one conversation with Treasurer Summers where he said, yeah, I remember being in a class with Brian Slee, with Jesse Jackson Jr., or somebody else he mentioned. Um, there, They taught us a bunch of stuff. And then he said he had heard that um, President Obama was in a class with David Miller and a couple other people. Um, So it wasn't the first time something like this was done, but I think it was the first time it was a course over nine months and this organized. Um, And what I found is that um, our generation, um, just millennials, we weren't coming together to kind of share the information, and then it wasn't being passed down. And I saw that... um, you know, it's not just people who wanted to run for office, but people like you and I who might not want to run but want to serve in other areas mm-hmm. aren't don't have all the knowledge they need. And I feel I felt really blessed to have people like Treasure Summers, like Mike Shotmanis, like Stacey Davis Gates, who I could call it, you know, and ask for advice. But I acknowledge that some of my peers may not. Yeah. So um, I wanted so I partnered with Ronnie Mosley and then Jonathan Swain who was incredibly helpful and stepped in and was the chair of the advisory board um to kind of create a structure for that um the um then we asked the generation above that who was um you know Jesse White Secretary White and Jackie Grimshaw Mm -hmm. um if they would chair the program so it ended up being pretty cool you know we had chairs that had um information from long ago and then we had an advisory um board made up of um another generation you know um and then we had um millennials and you know it was a nine 
nine-month program where we met once a month, and it was a cohort of 30 people. It, your your cohort was incredibly impressive, and so was your board. I when I remember when it initially came out in the news, and I saw the advisory board, I was like, okay, this it was it was really, heavyweights. It was really fun. Like I was really grateful for people. You know, we had people like um, like Andy Zop, Tara Cooper, who just jumped in and were like, let us help in whatever way we can. And what was cool about the advisory board is most of them did their own session, right? Um, the first day was actually. Ken Bennett just doing um, a discussion about Chicago um, machine. And we dawned on us, Ken, Ken has worked for every mayor in the past. Like Ken has worked for, you know, the dailies. He also was worked for, was a part of Madigan. He, he worked for Rom. He had worked for mm-hmm. Tony's campaign. He was, you know, he could talk about all these different pieces yeah. um, and, and Barack and everyone. Yeah. You know, so two more questions. Yeah. Um, so what would you say, uh, kind of piggybacking a little bit on a question that I asked a little while ago, uh, but more broadly, there are a lot of folks that, that look up to you in this space. And so what advice would you give the next generation of leaders that are coming up that are looking to maybe start a firm or maybe uh, to tap their toe into running a campaign or get involved in politics in some way? Yeah, um, I think that... If you want to get involved in politics, I say this every time, join a campaign. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's no better way than applying to be an organizer right now. Um, there's not we don't have enough young organizers um, and there's campaign it's campaign season right now. Mm-hmm. It'll be campaign <laughs> season again. <laughs> um, but there's nothing like learning how to cut turf, learning how to knock on a door, um, learning how to analyze that data. Um, and then once you join the campaign, don't stop there. Learn, learn and get to know people in different departments. Mm-hmm. You know, every campaign is built and structured pretty much the same. So once you join, figure out what, how the comms team operates. Figure out how the research team operates. Get to know the political directors so that after your entry-level position, you're able to navigate to the other positions. Um, yeah. And I think when it comes to starting a firm, um, I really do believe that if you are in a place where you kind of want to venture off, um, I think ha- starting to have their discussions with cl- potential clients and starting to secure them before you venture off is probably the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, don't underprice yourself. That's a mistake that I made that I <laughs> am still making up for. Um, but, you know, have real conversations with them. Let them know, you know, this is something I really enjoy doing and I could do for you separately i'm thinking about leaving as it's something you'd be interested in um and try to secure those okay and then last question is who is alex sims jones (laughs) in your own words i I know it's kind of (laughs) deep um hmm. okay Corey. um i am well i'm a black woman Mm -hmm. um i'm a wife um now (laughs) (laughs) um i am a businesswoman an entrepreneur i'm a social Mm -hmm. impact entrepreneur i love that yeah um before we close because i am big on giving folks their flowers (laughs) i have to say you know not only are you my friend but also Mm -hmm. in this space in particular you were one of my earliest encouragers to go out and branch out and start my own firm so I want to very publicly say thank you for that. And then also just thank you for the advice. The, you know, since launching, you've been a 
incredible help for me and kind of navigating the space. So I want to thank you. Of course. I'm proud of you. I mean, we're on your TV show. What does that mean? <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> so I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Alex M. Jones, thank you for joining today. Of course. Thanks for having me.